Morning, guys. Um, um, here we are today with um, David Morrison, Community Engagement Lead at NEAR Foundation. And remember, this podcast is powered by Binance Academy. Learn all about blockchain and crypto at Binance Academy, your one-stop guide to all things crypto. Whether you're a rookie trying to understand mining or a veteran looking to develop a trading strategy, Binance Academy has got you covered. Remember, the cryptocurrency is unregulated in the UK. The value of your investments can go down as well as up. Profits may be subject to capital gains tax. And as you know by now, we do not offer any financial advice on this show. David, how are you? Good to have you with us. I'm good, man. It's it's Thanksgiving. Half of my colleagues are American, so it does feel a little bit quiet at work, despite there being a sort of forest fire outside, right? <laughs> well, do you know what? I was going to say actually probably probably a good day for us to do to to do this podcast um you know let, let let's jump into let's jump into the forest fires FTX what happened what's going on um what the hell yeah I mean look man um if you live on crypto twitter as much as I do there's probably a few different avenues you could take to determine what you think might have actually happened but as far as I'm aware um, Sam Bankman fried and a certain cohort of close inner circle friends in the Bahamas managed to spend your money when you deposited an FTX by lending it out to Alameda, uh, which was their venture capital research firm arm. And of course, when the market took a pretty big dip, um, things didn't look quite so well on their balance sheet. <clears throat> and then we saw that tweet from CZ, which almost led to I guess the bank run, right? But a crypto exchange bank run. And to a certain point, um, they didn't have enough money to cover the deposits. Um, they stole it. Absolutely. Like, like, let's, let's, like, you know, I, I just feel that, like, the media are dressing it up in such an odd way. The guy stuck his hand in the till. Now, for the industry, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, you and I have discussed this before. How do we stop that, right? Um, how do we stop that? but also have decentralized finance. I personally don't think it's possible. I think you need regulation. Um, I also think that the problem isn't so much in the technology as it is in human nature, right? Um, but when you see things like Caroline Ellison, right, his girlfriend, like, what the how, how was she even allowed to run a hedge fund? She's clearly not qualified. I think that there's... Or at least there certainly was almost this spark of excitement around these new young entrepreneurs coming up through crypto. And then the people with the big bags, the old money, thought, hey, you know, I want a slice of that pie. Yeah. And that gets thrown in, in terms of investment into FTX and Alameda. The problem is that, as you mentioned, Lawrence, they also put their hand in the till and took the money from the retail uh, investors as well. But Look, I mean, as much as this has tarnished crypto's um, public image, it's really important. And this has been said so many times, especially on crypto Twitter, but it certainly hasn't been said um, in the New York Times et al. Uh, that this wasn't a failure of blockchain technology. It wasn't a failure of crypto. It wasn't a failure of Web3. It was a failure of centralization. And in my personal opinion, it was a failure of human greed. And that will always be a pitfall. Uh, regardless oh. of the industry that we're in. But don't you mean it's a failure of decentralization and no, deregulation? 
No, absolutely not. It's not a failure of decentralization because FTX is not decentralized. It is a centralized exchange. Alameda was not decentralized venture capital firm. It was absolutely centralized. Um, there was a certain level of obfuscation between the individual who put the funds into the exchange and what they were doing with it. And that house of cards fell. And thankfully, due to the incredible people on crypto Twitter who managed to analyze the blockchain, um, these guys ended up with the answers before, you know, the mainstream media, the news outlets could even dream of. I mean, do you know what? So I was filming a podcast with like a big like USVC, like the way that I think it was like the day before like this happened with FTX. And I'd been in meetings with FTX a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I was saying on this podcast that we just, oddly enough, we got talking about Shark Tank. Do you know Shark Tank? I know it's Dragon's Den, but in America, right? Right. It's, 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 it's like Dragon's Den on steroids. Yeah. Or well, America, right? The American version. Yeah. And um, I was saying how like, I, like, I really admire Kevin O'Leary. I think he's like a really smart dude. I just can't believe how people of that caliber, and I feel embarrassed that I said it. Um, he, I still think he's a very smart dude, but the amount of support like for these crooks like he's come out publicly and he has said that he will he would reinvest in sbf like that is that's ludicrous and it's kind of like where the hell are we going with crypto and web3 if that's the attitude like you know and i think you've hit on something interesting there human nature right what's the point of of us trying to have these this decentralized world this fair world right one where the unbanked can have as much opportunity as, as the billionaires. Like, what's the point if human nature is just going to constantly get in the way? So I think human nature, when we're referring to greed, is prevalent in a society, in an ecosystem where everybody's unshackled, right? So there's no regulations. But if we develop a truly decentralized financial ecosystem, true DeFi, none of this centralized exchanges, um, no no SBFs, um, no middlemen, but a truly decentralized ecosystem where code is law and we can verify that that code is just, then that code is not going to falter at human nature because that's the code can't be greedy, right? That's why I was saying it's a failure for decentralization because because it's just clearly like it's exposed human nature in its truest form and human nature is always actually just just take advantage like do what's best do what's best for the individual exactly right so so how do we solve it so hsbc laundered millions and millions and millions of dollars for drug cartels around the world there's been countless other instances of that occurring in you know big name banks around the world spf and uh, the Alameda crew in the Bahamas managed to defraud everyone. Celsius was playing with people's money when they shouldn't have been pe- playing with people's money to that level of risk. Um, Luna and Terra managed to collapse. Uh, so how do we solve it? How do we take away that level of human greed? Even well, that one, one time, isn't, isn't that part of the problem? Like, you know, and again, I have to be careful what I say here, right? But, you know, you're, you're making quite a big allegation against HSBC. You know, I've I've read I've read what's online. I've seen the documentaries on it, right? But again, isn't that the problem? Like with decentralization, it takes away the ability to evaluate good information from bad information, 
you know, which I think is something actually, funny enough, is like uh, crypto Twitter and, and you know, um, what Elon Musk is trying to solve. How, how do we decipher what's real and what's not? Actually, I would argue that decentralization is the inverse of that, because if you have a truly transparent and open technology like blockchain, then you have the receipts for absolutely everything. Um, so we only know what actually happened. We don't know any um, finger pointing or anything like that. We only have the receipts for what actually happened. And they're there. It's cemented. It's on chain and it's not going to change. Um but when you when you say it's it's a failure for decentralization, um, it's a failure of these of centralization, and that is going to impact the road to decentralization. That's but far more you, articulate, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. Apologies, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. It was getting me confused. I was like, wait, no, hang on. No, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you're you're far more articulate than I am to be fair. Uh, I don't know about that, Lawrence. I think you yeah, but you've hit the nail on the head, right? It is a failure for decentralization. Um, any scandal like FTX et al absolutely is but there's such a huge cohort of people out there who believe that decentralization is the way forward and it's going to solve a lot of these issues including um the greedy nature of humanity um and I'm certainly a part of that cohort too you're part of the cohort of like you believe that it's decentralization is I think but 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 do you so where where do we draw the line in terms of like, like, do you think that after everything that's happened with FTX, that we need more regulation in crypto? Uh, so I think if you look at what Uniswap have recently, um, I guess, lobbied for, I don't know if lobby is the correct term, because I don't, I don't know how the, the US legal system functions, but for their, their goal, when it comes to the regulation of the DeFi ecosystem, it's, it's a real balance. So we don't want to have to enforce everybody to make sure that they've passed KYC if they want to use an AMM like Uniswap or a finance or whatever it might be. But we still want a safe and secure system at the levels that it matters. So when it comes to on and off ramping, I think that there's probably enough regulation there already, right? Like it is not easy for anybody to jump a hundred thousand pound off chain into your bank account without passing multiple stringent checks um, and complying with AML, with KYC, with KYB, if it's a business. Um, I'm just thinking when people say we need more regulation, we mean we need more regulation. Like what? What do you what do you mean? Sure. What? So first, separating custody from assets. I I don't think that. So if, if I go and set up a an account with a hedge, well, a hedge fund, right, an onshore hedge fund, right, or an asset management company, I use Hargreaves Lansdowne, right? Not an advert, but I use Hargreaves Lansdowne. <laughs> I would simply I put my money into the account with them. I deposit it. I can buy shares, but there's there are checks and balances in place where they can't stick their hand in the till, right? They're separating um, physical access to my money from decision-making, right? So they can make decisions for me, but they can't physically take the money out of my account. And that's that for me is, is one of the reasons, look, I've been very open with this, you know, I'm an advocate for blockchain technology. I understand where it goes 
beyond the realms of crypto. Um, however, as you know, as as an individual, I don't own any crypto. Right, I I, I invest in equities, which is probably completely contradict uh, contradictory. I'm not against investing in crypto. I just a don't trust myself with a hardware wallet, um, and b I would never put my money with an FTX because like these these are basic lessons that probably this is a whole nother conversation, but we should probably be teaching it in school. Right, we should be teaching it in school. You know, like like you don't put your money with a financial establishment if they can stick their hand if they can stick their hand in the till. You know, like yes. the, the, some big names got caught out. Right, like some huge, huge um, ass, sorry, some huge VCs have been investing. Like, why were they not doing it? And, and let's be clear, they were they either were in on it, or they just weren't doing any due diligence. And again, I, I'm not making any assumptions here, but surely I I know as someone that has built a startup, tries to raise money, they'll spend six months doing due diligence, right, for 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 a million for a million dollar investment. And all of a sudden, they've put hundreds of millions of dollars with this guy without checking what's going on. That's why I think that that that's why I think there needs to be some form of like, like not even corporate governance. But I think I talk quite a lot about like applied morality, you know. And I think that one thing that social media um, has done very well is actually it's encouraged leaders, business leaders, whether you consider Sam Bankman Free a business leader or not. I. I just think it was a scam. I think it was from the outset, right? It was a scam. Um, like, there's so much transparency now that that in itself should put pressure on CEOs to act with a certain level of uh, morality and diligence, you know? Um, but you're still going to have people like him. He he doesn't care. He's chilling in the Bahamas, right? He's probably bought, like, he's probably bought hundreds of properties there. And he knows he's going to get away with it. Yes, that, 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 and that, that's that's you know that's something. Look, I'm a huge advocate for the technologies, but we've also got to be honest. Like, the, right, you're gonna have you, you've you've got a thousand Sam Bankman Freeds, probably on a smaller scale, but nonetheless, they're ripping people off. Right, I I, I agree that there there is a certain level of um, enforced morality through social contracts, but. I think through smart contracts and blockchain tech that we can actually reduce that social contract to where it's nil. Um, and I don't know if you've read Vitalik's latest piece, uh, but if you go to Vitalik.ca, um, it's called yeah. Proof of Solvency or something like that. And I've just pulled up on my screen now this brilliant chart that he has in regards to um, centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges and and the, the role that um, regulations can play between uh in the non-binary almost slider of don't be evil to can't be evil right so he puts at the very left the don't be evil section fully centralized exchange no controls probably very similar to what we've seen with sbf right so don't be evil and we really don't want you to be evil right we we trust you but but it's blind trust to a certain extent or it's through the reputation that you might have fraudulently built up um, and then it gets to a point where I think you might be um, rooting for Lawrence, where it's external human controls like auditors, 
proof of solvency, uh, which we're seeing a lot of um, exchanges coming out now with proof of funds. And then um, it goes all the way to the other side where I think decentralization maximalists like myself really root for. And this is fully decentralized exchanges on chain. You can see everything that's happening. It's completely transparent. And these are in the can't be evil section. And if you and I are in agreement that there is some level of human nature that makes everybody greedy and perhaps everybody a little bit evil, right? We're all we're all Christ inside, we're all Hitler inside. Um, Most people, could, but, but, but hold up, but, but sorry, you don't have to be you don't have to be like that evil in order to like take advantage of this, right? So like he's one, there there are two practical problems with this simple proof of assets tending, uh, dealing with cold storage, right? And collateral dual, dual use. Have you had a chance? Have you been through this? Yes, I have skimmed over it once. Um... Well, no, look, look, the, the reality is, is that there, there are like with decentralization, there are flaws. Um, and I think it goes back to you don't have to be that evil, right? Uh, you don't have to be that evil to like take advantage of this. And I think that the other issue I see is that we're giving people way too much credit to think that. Could you imagine if you had all your savings, right? All your savings in in a hardware wallet, and you lost it. Like people have done that. I I know people that have lost compute. They bought Bitcoin in two thousand and fourteen, and they just lost the computers. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get it. Like sure. I I have to take a ton of stringent checks with with my personal um, seed phrase and hardware wallets, right? And yeah. it's far from the best user experience. It's so much easier for me to have a bank account and just transfer fiat wherever i want whenever i want and have that level of security that regulations enable but what we've got to understand is that uh you know bitcoin is 13 years old um smart contracts are what seven six seven years old, oh, yeah. seven, years old seven years old um this is still super early and super nascent and i know teams out there that are working to solve the self-custody problem and make the user experience seamless and on par if not better than the traditional banking system um but alongside that you're going to have all the benefits that decentralization offers right so when and this happens it probably isn't going to happen to us in our wonderful western life but it happens around the world when the government comes knocking on your door or your digital door and says hey you can't spend that money anymore um because of xyz or we need to take xyz from you in order to deliver this um and it's very easy for it to go from that to something tyrannical and when and when that happens there's that age-old saying in crypto that decentralization doesn't matter until it does and then it matters a lot oh, i've got to be honest david I'm, I'm disappointed because you haven't read the rayon website um <laughs> i'm joking so i actually talk about this so so again it's something like with like rishi sunak right he's flirting with central bank digital currencies he doesn't know what he's doing right central bank digital currencies applied with universal basic income is the fastest and easiest way for a government to take steps towards a totalitarian state where they define how and when you spend your money right it's a disaster that we are we are very coldly walking into you know we already have, like, if, if I spoke to my parents' generation, they were like, oh, if you wanted to mortgage, you'd go into a bank and you would speak to the bank manager, right? We then had, all of a sudden, we had these introduction of, like, credit score systems, yeah? 
what we're now seeing with like central bank digital currencies is almost like the next steps, right? We've got credit score systems, but actually we are now going to control how and when you spend your money. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I agree with you, you know, there's, um, who's that girl on Twitter? Like she's like a hardcore advocate for a uh, Bitcoin layer something. Oh, they're helping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like she, she's almost like on the, on, on the extreme end of it. Like she's like, actually, you know what? Everyone needs to be using Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the future. I think though that what we have to, and, and I understand, I understand like her rationale. Right. And I understand that actually, I think her and I have probably got quite a lot in terms of like thinking in terms of the commonalities to the, the threats of not having um, something along the lines, more along the lines of like um, Bitcoin. But but what makes currency valuable and makes it legitimate isn't as much as the utility or the gold standard behind it, but it's about the government acknowledging it, right? The government saying that actually we deem this to be legal currency, you know? And I've got to be, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just can't, I can't see governments doing that with something like Bitcoin. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't have to happen like that, right? So I booked a hotel yesterday and I paid in NIA okay. and I booked a flight last week and I paid in USDC on chain. Um, there is no government in the world that accepts NIA or USDC right now. Um, on the Bitcoin front, you can pay your taxes in certain jurisdictions in the United States with Bitcoin. Um, the things are, are moving pretty rapidly towards a world where crypto assets are not seen as just magical internet money anymore. And um, another point I would really like to pick up on is this idea that crypto has to be currency, right? So it's a bit of a misnomer that everybody calls crypto cryptocurrency. It's far from the case. In fact, I would argue the vast majority of crypto assets are not trying to be a currency and they're not trying to be a medium of exchange in in the sense that you would go to the shop and you'd go to Tesco and you'd buy some milk with it. Like, far from it. Um, Ethereum, Near, Polygon, these proof-of-stake chains that a smart contract enabled, these assets are really just fees for using a global computer to execute whatever it might be that you want to execute. Um, so I think that's a misnomer that the industry needs to move away from because when I'm at the pub, a lot of people say, hey, why would I use this and that as a currency when the price changes all the time? And you're missing the point and you're missing the point because we've got a branding issue. So, so what is the branding issue? So it's cryptocurrency, right? You search cryptocurrency um, on the internet and you'll get Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you'll find all the articles from the uh, black and white papers in the UK, certainly, that refer to it as cryptocurrency, um, when, with the exception of perhaps Bitcoin, which I would argue has actually evolved um, from its dream of being a currency from the original white paper in 2008, um, there's a very, very small handful of them that aim to replace fiat well, look, they, they, they call it, you know, Bitcoin now is, and you see the media like push this out um, over and over again. They say store of value. I I get that, right? Conceptually, I, I understand that actually, you know, something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. And, you know, in terms of, I kind of sit somewhere in between 
I can't remember, Leia, sorry, and like Peter Schiff, which is really weird because I kind of, which is, which is incredibly contradictory. Right, exactly. Like, like oh, oh, I see where she's coming from. Right, I see where she's coming from. And I understand that actually, you know, as a store of value, you probably would be safer over the next 10 years. Sorry, this isn't advice. I wouldn't be surprised if it was safe to keep, or we find that it was safe to keep money in Bitcoin than it was to keep your money in USD, right? The governments have printed so much money and people don't understand. I I, I was I talked to my friends about it, right? Like interest rates. And they're just like, oh yeah, you know, it, it won't go that high. Why not? Like, why can't interest, like, what is it that is, if, if you print that much money, right, what is actually stopping interest rates from going to like 10, 15, 20%? And even that, is that, is that even going to be enough? Have we now got to a point where actually we've just completely like devalued the dollar? And is the dollar just going to be in like 30, 40, 50 years from now? Is it just going to go to zero? Because that, that, that creates the argument, right? Like, like, you know, currencies tend to have, Oh, sorry. Currencies tend to like lead the world for, I think it's something like between like ninety and a hundred years before there's something that comes in to replace it. And you know, I certainly see there being some sort of blend of digital currency, but again, applied with regulation that actually like takes its place. I just don't want it to be one where the governments can. I don't think it should be right where the governments are telling you what you can and cannot spend your money on because you're just taking leaps into a totalitarian state so if you wouldn't trust the government to develop a cbdc yeah why would you trust government bodies to regulate the current crypto asset world i, I don't right and that that's the catch you understand what i'm saying i sit between i i, I don't trust them you know I, I went to parliament this year i spoke to them they don't understand it Right. I almost feel that it almost felt like talking to these politicians. It feels like someone's just pitched them, done a really good pitch. And they're like, OK, yeah, that's the future. Let's go with it. You know, when natural fact, they should really be focusing on going, wait a minute. Why are all the high paying jobs like leaving the United Kingdom? Why is the talent leaving? Why are the universities? Um, why do we have some of the top universities in the world? we're like producing phenomenal talent and then they're just like leaving the country like do, do you know what I mean I, I don't and we'll find you let me ask you this what's the solution well if you're a decentralization maximalist like me yeah. the solution is to keep building uncensorable immutable completely accessible financial systems in a way where regulation is not only unnecessary but impossible and i don't mean to say that we have this wild west of crypto as much as as, as i don't really like that term but it gets thrown around a lot that we've seen over the past five six seven years um i want to see it to mature to a completely vibrant ecosystem where everybody can go to Uniswap or whatever it might be and completely trust the app that they're about to interact with. Um, but it's a journey. It's not a switch, right? Like I we can't just like it and just be there right now. But but do 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 you do you believe that actually, like for example, like with FTX, right? If they've taken in a billion dollars, they then should have like one for one, right? They should have that dollar. They should have that money sitting on account. Yes. So, so, so I, I, oh. I think 
FTX, Binance, etc. Like to me, like they're not really crypto, right? Like they're not Web three. They're just intermediaries between the fiat world and the crypto world. Sure, um, sure. By all means, yes, regulate them one hundred percent. They should absolutely be forced to show that they have a proof of reserves and that their liabilities do not exceed their reserves. Um, but there's a very fine line that we tread where if you give lawmakers and regulators an inch, they take a mile. And how long until they've regulated the likes of FTX and it permeates into every follicle of the crypto industry there, there would there would there would be millions of people right now that would have their money secured if fdx had been regulated but absolutely and by all means yeah 100 we should we should do that but we need to have the checks and balances and when i say checks and balances i mean from the citizenry to the um governmental organizations who are calling the shots to ensure that they don't overreach like governments so often do. Sure, I I I also think that you know like in, in terms of in terms of like the modern world now, we give way too much credit like to people like like Sam Bankman Fried. Um, have you seen the interviews with like Caroline Ellison? I've seen a handful of them. I've seen the one where she she yeah. says she barely uses maths and that. Like, she, <laughs> she's she's just no no, but she she she's she's a simpleton. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, maybe. She's sick, right? I don't care. I don't care if she went to Stanford. Look, I, I've, I, I, I meet enough people that went to like these top universities, right? That doesn't make that doesn't make them Elon Musk, right? They, they were just absolutely they blagged people out of millions and millions, sorry, billions of dollars, and and I, I, I think you know that, you know these like these tight crypto circles are going to get tighter over the next few years. I think the benefit to crypto and the crypto world is the fact that actually the companies that are left are going to be legitimate. You know, I think that we've actually, we've openly seen like CZ talk about, you know, the need for like regulation and, oh, sorry, for transparency rather, you know, for people to be able to see actually where the money is, you know, um, from these exchanges. And and I think that's almost, like, I, I think what he's saying I think I don't want to speak to him, but I get the impression it's kind of like actually let's regulate ourselves as much as we can and let's create as much transparency as we can so that you know the authorities don't need to step in. Is is that a fair interpretation or have I got that wrong? Um, no, I think that's a fair interpretation. And and you can see the efforts that he's making um every day, right? And all you have to do is follow his Twitter account. He just yeah. tweeted out the Ethereum wallet address where Binance committed a billion dollars to the crypto ecosystem fund, um, you know, to help uh, support projects and innovators during difficult times like this. And it's that type of transparency that we need across the board, right? Um, if Alameda and FTX had just said, hey, look, here's our books, uh, it, perhaps it wouldn't have happened. Right. That, again, that's, re that's regulation. But I mean, like, in, in terms of Oh, sorry, that's the regulation that's necessary in order to have that level of transparency. But in terms of Web3, Web3 goes way beyond FTX. And right now it feels like, obviously, it's the hot subject. I think he's, I don't know if he is, but it looks like the New York Times are running an event in where he's obviously yeah. one of the guest speakers. Yeah, is, that, is, is, that, is, is that a joke or is that actually real? No, so, so he was on the website for the event. 
right. which I think is on the 30th, right? It's in a few days okay. before the FTX fiasco happened, as far as I'm aware. And they just haven't removed him. And then he tweeted, like, what was it, yesterday or the day before, saying that he's going to be there. And I mean, there's no way that that guy could be there. Surely not. Why video link? He could be. Yes, yes, by video are, link. Are, are, are you, are you going to tune in to watch that? Because I would. Uh, 100,000%, of course, right? right? Yeah, if, if he's going to be there, definitely. But what are the other people? Who else was actually? Let's Google so Zuckerberg's there. I, I can't um, imagine he's going to sit. Mark Zuckerberg isn't going to sit there one sec. Like Mark Zuckerberg is not sitting on a stage with with Sam Bankman-Fried, or like even if he's like there via video link. Um, yeah, like yeah. I mean, it look it looks it looks legitimate, but like you know, who who knows now? Um, it would be a huge huge mistake for him, like legally, I think. Um. I, I just can't believe how soft, like I can't believe how soft everyone's going going on him. I think uh, the only person that's really like the only real like CEO that's massively like called him out is Elon Musk. Yes. He, what does he say? He said something like, "My bullshit detector was redlining." When yeah, he when he was talking about investing in um, Twitter. Yeah, absolute like nonsense. Um, but look, I mean, I, I I don't want to just focus like clearly on that. There's there's a lot of exciting things going on in in the world of Web three. Um, you know, it, it's actually also a challenging time, um, similar to what we saw in like 2000 with the tech bubble crisis. But again, we're able to like separate the wheat from the chaff and see like the real projects, the real companies. In terms of Web3, like, you know, what do you expect in the next few years to produce? Um, so I'm of the opinion that despite the regulators coming in, which I think they will, uh, we will see a more decentralized Web3 than we have today. We will have obfuscated or abstracted rather away the need for much of these hurdles. Um, and what I'm referring to specifically is when you want to interact with a DAP on Neo Protocol or on Ethereum, whatever it might be, then you have to download a wallet or download MetaMask, create a wallet, write down a seed phrase, and then store that in a locked box. Like if you say it to a normal person, that that's insane, right? That's crazy. It's crazy. I agree. And I think most people in the world of Web3 and crypto agree. So that's why there's such huge efforts to abstract away the requirements for needing to create a wallet in that manner. Um, so I can't wait to see that behind us. Um, I do think we will get to a billion users in five years. I truly believe it. But the caveat is that the vast majority of them will not know that they're using blockchain or Web3 tech. Um, it will be on the back end, much in the same way that you don't even realize or acknowledge that you're using AWS when you head to a certain website, right? Sure, 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 sure. And I, I think we're actually seeing some quite actually exciting opportunities actually in the um, world of like AI as well, right? That, that is kind of like merging um, in into this space. Are you? Do you? Do you follow any companies like um, like are you familiar with like Palantir Technologies? Um, I'm not exactly familiar with them. No, I just, like in in terms of like what what they're doing um, for, for the world of AI and for companies in terms of efficiencies is. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and I think that actually, there's I I suspect there's like applications that they're developing that are going to kind of like blend into like the world of like uh, Web three. 
but um i follow um yeah like palantir technology is one of the like the more i think the more exciting uh companies out there at the moment are you familiar um, with the notion of the singularity the what sorry the singularity yeah to to an extent but so so it's this idea that when ai and technology grows to a certain point it will actually merge with the human form and we will become this amalgamation oh, that's not what sorry apologies that, that that's not what i thought you meant at all sorry no no worry but, but it's 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 based on a science fiction novel i think called uh, the singularity um is near and right. that's how near protocol actually got its name right because it started as an ai company way back when um and then they rebranded because they wanted to find ways to pay people around the world for their work and tried to use blockchain tech, had a nightmare with it. Sure. Um, but yeah, AI is 100% going to be, um, it's actually going to leverage blockchain, I think. And I think that will be, yeah. yeah. That, so, and, and I think that's it. So like with Rayon, um, with with Rayon, I actually, you know, it's it started off, Rayon started off as like an AI community. And then AI, I think just before the pandemic, it very much became like a buzzword. And you'd say to people like, well, like, what do you mean by AI? And you break it down to like natural language processing, break it down to internet of things. And so yada, 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 into like machine learning, right? Um, but I, I think that, that that's the excitement for me in terms of like blockchain technologies. Like the, if you combine blockchain with AI, what it's going to do for like the medical sector, right? For biomanufacturing, you know, that's where it becomes exciting. When you, sorry, I, I thought when you were talking about singularity, I thought you meant in terms of like uh, mathematical singularity, but um, oh, no, I smart. thought you were going to throw a math quiz. I was going to say, <laughs> I'll, I'll get you on and yeah. On, um, but um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think there's definitely, there's, there's definitely like a, a lot of exciting use cases. I actually, there's a media company, a young media company that I love um that, that i i follow religiously it's like uh what's it called dantons dantons.com like and, and i just literally anything to do with like um uh anything to do with like ai palantir i just i just i literally i i just live by that show to be honest so we're all in uh or do you know I, well do you know what i i just i just i just like um uh yeah I, I just i just find it very useful it saves me a hell of a lot of time you know i think like you must spend ages like researching you know it's and now we're at a point where actually if you find the right media if you find the right company you can just like learn from them oh it's the vast majority of my time to be honest with you when I, except for when i'm at work um but there's so much to learn right in crypto i, I assume it's the same if you dig deep enough into the world of ai and it's it's gotten to a point where it's impossible for one person to keep up track with everything that's going on. Unless you're Alex Karp, who is the CEO of Palantir Technologies, and he he, he seems to have all the answers. But um, Well, we uh, can't be sure that he's not an AI. Could be something. Could as, be. As, as Elon Musk would say, you know, this could just all be like one giant simulation. So, could um, very well be. But look, I mean, in 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 terms in terms of like what you're working on yourself, you know, obviously your 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 uh, community engagement uh, lead, you know, what does that actually mean? And in terms of what what you are personally building, like, where's your focus right now? Yeah. So just to give some context, um, I know you introduced me as the community engagement lead of the Near Foundation. So the Near Foundation's goal is to encourage people to build on Near, raise awareness of Near, and ensure that you know we do everything we can to reach that 1 billion 
um, users in the world of Web3 um, as soon as we possibly can. Um, in terms of my role specifically, um, it's really about building bridges between the foundation itself and the community members, right? Of which there are hundreds of thousands now. Um, and, and it's being that sort of two-way uh, bridge. So how can we deliver what the community wants from the foundation side of things? And then when it comes to engagement, I do a lot of work on social media. To be quite frank with you, Lawrence, I do a lot of shit posting, um, things that try and appeal to the degen nature of some of our community members and and what does that mean shit posting shit posting <laughs> so it's like uh like posting crap memes but oh okay that are so bad they come back around to being like ironically good it's a very uh i think it's quite a millennial i'm with you i'm with you listen I, i've only just discovered andrew tate really okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, you know what yarn was telling me about this guy like like a couple of years ago maybe three years ago even and I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I've got to be honest; he's a smart dude. He's a very, very smart dude. Well, look, I don't think you build the social media empire that he once had and seems to be getting back now without being aware of what you're doing. Yeah, he's highly articulate, right? Um, but I was, I'm not saying he's shit posting. He's not. I, I think, I think he's just, he's, he's kind of like cracked the code, hasn't he? In terms of like what what works on social media, the only thing that I, does worry me is when I see my seven year old like nephew running in and he's like, "Oh, I want a Bugatti." I'm like, yeah. "Sorry, <laughs> Andrew Tate. Have you seen Andrew Tate? Yeah, he's got like like thirty Bugattis or something. I don't know if that's true, but I... um, imp impressive nonetheless." Um, but yeah, so so in terms of like the posting, like like um, does it work? Yes, I think it works. So I I really took the handles on the near protocol social media in, in August. And we tried to change the tone a bit because I think, and I think this is especially important now when people's um, morale, shall we say is low and conviction might be wavering. Um, I've tried to put a bit of, I guess, fizzazz in it, a little bit of humor, a little bit of joy, a little bit of not taking itself completely seriously. Right. Because to me, it's really, really important that we differentiate ourselves. And by ourselves, I mean the whole crypto ecosystem, the true decentralization maximalists from the corporate world of Web2. And I don't jive so much with just writing something really boring and bullshitty and then tweeting it out. Uh, like, it works, I'm sure. Um it but, doesn't. I've tried. I, I, yeah, no. I was gonna say since Elon Musk has um uh, bought Twitter, I've kind of like jumped. I just signed up like at the beginning of the or December last year, and I never really used it. Mm. And I've just tried. I've just tried to get into it now. But building a following on Twitter is hard. It's really hard. Yes. Yes, it is really hard, and I think I, I'm in somewhat of an echo chamber as well because the only people I follow and the only people who follow me and certainly the near protocol account as well is crypto enthusiasts right so people talk about this sect of twitter this subsection uh called crypto twitter ct and i've never really ventured outside of it i don't even know if people use twitter for other things other than to talk about blockchain oh yeah sports like honestly twitter twitter can sometimes be absolutely genius it, it can be so funny 
um believe it or not actually one of the funniest people on it is actually like elon musk like some of the like some of the stuff he tweets yes. is just genius yeah. really i think he's got 116 what, what, followers right more right. more now yeah. but like, what, how, what, what makes someone good on twitter like why like, i'll give you an example like i'm posting practical stuff right when people contact me i've helped them get jobs at like vcs i've helped them get um uh in with like fintech blockchain companies and obviously i can't do it for everyone right it's, it's not it's not possible but i'm not that popular that i'm getting like a million uh, a million people messaging me a day I'm offering people like real like practical applications, right? Actually, I can help you with your startup. Um, you know, we've been there. We've, we've kind of like, we know how hard it is, et cetera. We can help you get to your first like 10,000, 20,000 signups without spending any money. Um, we can make introductions to you, right? To decision makers at companies. Um, admittedly, I've only been doing it for like, I mean, two weeks, right? So I can't exactly expect anything like big to happen, but why aren't I getting more traction? And what, what, what should people be doing to get traction on social media? I think, oh, sorry, oh, specifically on Twitter. Yeah, breaking out of that initial sort of zero to a thousand followers is really, really difficult. Um, took me four years to get to a thousand followers and I was tweeting pretty regularly. And right. then it took me a month to get to like 1400, right? Or 13, 1400, right? So that's really, really slow growth at the start. And then it begins to speed up. I think the way that, a profile presents itself is really important down to um, even the the bio that you have, right? Like you can write something really snappy, really uh, appealing in there and perhaps drop some accolades in there that you're proud of. And that's going to entice people to follow you when they click on your profile. Um, I'm just not reacting up to it. I, I, I'm not, do you know what I mean? I, I just... I, I think people must like be like right. I'm going to tweet at this time. Oh, a hundred percent. I just haven't got the yeah. I haven't got the head for that. And unless no, we, we have up. a schedule, we have a schedule and everything. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what? So 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 what is it? So you, do you plan like would you would you plan in advance what you're going to tweet or is it just like what's trending on that day? Oh, but you know, yeah. at that time, we we plan most of it in advance and okay. then if something happens and we want to put ourselves in the center of the conversation, then we will write up a tweet, you know, as soon as we can and ship it out. Um, but it's planned like weeks in advance. Yeah. You know, it's so dangerous. I, I, I do you know what? Like, I, I, I think like with, with me and Twitter, I, I'm not, I'm not politically correct enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Elon's at the helm now, right? Right, but you know, like I had someone, I had this like woman in America. She, I think she's got like like uh, what she got. I'm looking now. She's got sixty six thousand followers, right? And she's following, I think like two hundred people or something. I said something the other day, and like she sent me a private message, and she was like, "I found your tweet like really sexist," and I was like, "I was, I was like," and I was like, "Sexist towards who? Like men or women?" Because the tweet, and it wasn't intentionally. I think mm. if you read it, it would just be like. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't view it sexist at all. It was like, if anything, it was would have been sexist against men. I think, right? Anyway, like when I asked her about it, she just went off on one about, um, you know, this was her situation from her childhood, and I was like, okay, look, you know, um, I, I didn't apologize, but I was just, I was just very much like, this is just my opinion. You've private messaged me. Here's my opinion. Um, 
And I thanked her. I said, thank you very much for taking the time to message me. You know, um, look, it would be great to dis- if you want to discuss this further. I'm more than happy to. But people, she took the, she obviously read something. She completely put her own spin on the interpretation. She's taken it as offense. Uh, she's taken it offensively, which respectfully, like, you know, say la vie, that's life. Um yeah. But yeah, it's just it just seems like it's just a bit of like a a melting pot for misinterpretation, you know. Look, I, I, despite having to do it as my job and probably spending more time on Twitter than I should, right. like social media, I think is a net negative for the world, right? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with I'm with you on that definitely. Because when you have people who sharing their opinions, like you obviously did, Lawrence. You lose that human element to it where you deliver the true meaning of whatever you're saying through body language, tone, eye contact, whatever it might be. And, and face to face meetings, like like so, like one thing I've started doing a lot now is I I would just do like face to face meetings, like you know, like like now everyone's like, well, why don't we just do it over Zoom? And even the podcast next year, I'm I'm hopefully we're just going to do them all like face to face. Um, but I I definitely think that we've kind of got a bit lost, you know, with with, with not doing like these, uh, not not having that like human interaction more, you know, hundred percent. What, what what are your thoughts on? I've got to ask you this because again, this is part of like the, the social media like cult, right? We've known about. Are you following the World Cup? You watch it? Yes, of course. And we're going to beat America on Thanksgiving. How embarrassing is that? Oh, <laughs> don't speak to me. But that that it, it would it would be a nice touch. It would definitely be a nice touch. But I mean, in in terms of in terms of um, in terms of like the World Cup, we knew it was going to be in Qatar since two thousand and ten. All of a sudden now, everyone is protesting, including the players. Like, do you think, again, in this world of like this, like decentralized world, in this world of like understanding and, you know, being more, I I guess it's it's about like applied, like we said earlier, it's about applied morality, or I think it is, you know, where do you sit in terms of like, should people be going to these countries and just going, actually, um how you're living is wrong because and here's my issue with it right we've spent the last three years and i'm completely against it ripping down statues talking about like this or like trying to cancel whoever you know this one was bad this one was nasty this one was greedy this one was a slave trader a slave owner right of course there's like there's right and there's wrong are we in agreement with that yes right there's Uh right and wrong Slavery is a complete, like, is the worst thing that humanity has ever done. Slavery's gone on for, like, tens of thousands of years, okay? And what's come out of that, we now have a generation where it's like, actually, we don't believe in, like, colonization. We don't believe that we should go to another country, conquer those countries, and tell them how to live, right? We've known about this World Cup for the last 12 years, and it feels like at the last minute, everyone's gone to Qatar, and now it's like, actually, we're going to tell you that everything you're doing wrong with your country, we're still going to come, and we're going to make millions of pounds, we're going to play football in your country, but we're going to tell you everything that's wrong with it. Isn't that, like, and it is, it's the crypto generation, isn't that contradictory to what, what they're saying? Like, this is a country, I just want to say, this is a country that is 
half the size of Wales. It's tiny, right? It's in the Middle East. And yet there's this like attitude that actually we can tell them how to go and live, right, rightly or wrong, right? Whether they're right or wrong, you know? I don't agree with the way that they do it, but I'm not going to go there and tell them. Look, I, I'm very much of the opinion that I believe anybody in the world should be able to do anything that they want to do as long as it's not hurting me or anybody else. And if you want to dress like a pigeon and live in a park all day and get stoned 24-7, like, go ahead and do it, man. More power to you. If you want to follow Islam and wear the traditional Islamic garb in Qatar, so long as that's what you want to do and you want to abstain from alcohol and pork and whatever it might be, go ahead and do it, man. But the second that it infringes on anybody else's life... Civil liberties. Yes, yeah. It's it's quite a libertarian view, I think, but I think it's like, I'm of the opinion that it's the right one. Yeah, no, sure. I, I, I'm, I'm definitely... Think I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I, I think I'm a libertarian. I, I think it's kind of like my attitude is always like, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, just do whatever you want. Like it doesn't yeah. affect me. It's not my business. Do what yeah. you want. Just don't hurt anyone else. Like, but I just feel that it's very strange to all of a sudden have this World Cup. We've known about it for twelve years, and now at the like the eleventh hour, it's like, wait a minute, all these celebrities who are making like millions and millions of pounds for it or dollars. And now all of a sudden in protest, surely if you're not happy with it, just don't go. Yeah, I mean, there's a a thousand different layers that we could analyze to this, right? But should it have even ever been in Qatar or was it a corruption scandal with FIFA again? And that goes back to our level of human greed, right? (laughs) Um... I don't know, but that that, uh, I think it's fair to say that that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise any of us. You no, know? I agree. Sorry, Lawrence. Yeah, I, I, I think from my perspective, I'm just like quite confused how this whole generation are completely anti-colonization. They understand the horrors, right? Maybe not understand the horrors because it's not fair. Because unless you know, unless you're in a war, you don't know what it's like to be in a war. But you know, we've hopefully learned from the lessons of our past about going to other countries, telling them how to live, right? Telling them what's right and what's wrong. Um, you know, we definitely saw it, like, or I saw it in my lifetime with, like, um, Iraq and Afghanistan, the wars there. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's very dangerous to go to a, a tiny little country like Qatar who are hosting a football event, and rather than just, like, leading by example, telling them how they should and shouldn't live. It's their country. Look, I'm of the opinion that all cultures and all religions and all races and all backgrounds, almost all social classes, um, they make up this whole big melting pot of the world, right? And and that's why being alive is so good because if everywhere you went was exactly the same and you're never going to want to leave your own front door. So... Actually, on the inverse, I believe if we're going to Qatar, and this is 
removing the question of should it, the World Cup have been in Qatar, but if we're going to Qatar, embrace the culture, right? Embrace the culture and just respect it. Yeah, yeah, respect it. But but I think you can actually go a level further, right? Like you can you can enjoy all the brilliant parts of Qatari culture without having to take away some of the what is perceived as negative parts. And now I'm not saying that I agree with all of it by far. Um, I certainly do not. But you're also not in your house when you're there. Yeah. But like, do you think the players should have been allowed to wear like the like all the players obviously weren't allowed to wear like the rainbow armbands? So this is a really difficult question because it's an international game, right? And does the international community want to almost bend the knee at a nation which believes that homosexuality um, and the LGBTQ plus community is a sin or they should be, you know, um, cast away from the rest of uh the community um then that that's a difficult question i don't have the answer for it personally if if i was calling the shots i'd have said no fuck you they're gonna wear the armbands um if they want to we're not gonna make the guitari team wear the armband yeah but you think the footballers like they're there to like win a world cup they're playing at the highest level you know this is a this is a country that has like what i think 2.9 million people right it's a tiny country, like to go there and just like try and make like these massive political statements. First of all, I think it detracts away from from the football, and you could argue that actually, well, you know, the football isn't important in terms of like um, in terms of the issues they're trying to raise. But it's their country, right? I'm just so confused by this. It's the generation that were pulling down statues and anti colonization are the same generation that are saying, actually, we're going to go to your tiny little country in the Middle East that was, I think, a fishing village 30 years ago, and we're going to tell you what's right and wrong. Right? Like, if you, and, and listen, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're ruthless. I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, I've got no doubt, right, that, you know, we would be disgusted by the practices that go on there, whether it's against... Um, one's that sexual orientation a difference in religion i'm not naive right but you don't have to go to that country yeah um you're absolutely right look i mean in 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 terms of me like let's just jump like you know i want to come coming coming back to what you're saying like you know how many followers have you guys got on twitter now so in august i think we had about five hundred and twenty thousand or thereabouts and now we've got 930 i think the last i checked what happened uh, what, what was that what was that like jump um well we tried to change our tone and we put a lot more um emphasis on supporting the near community right and and especially over the past few weeks um we want to be the megaphone for your biggest announcements right so you've just pulled um a million users onto your dap and you want to shout about it but you've only got 50,000 twitter followers or you've only got a certain you know a limited exposure to i guess a wider community then by all means you should be able to stand on our shoulders and scream about it and i think the drive to really grow our engagement and grow our twitter followers was in part 
led by a drive to support the community because if we have a stronger twitter following a larger twitter following then we have a more valuable piece of social media real estate to lease to our wonderful community and the projects we're building on it nice so what would be your advice then like for a company like rayon where we like we we're good at getting signups we're good at getting a following on rayon right because it's our platform um but in in terms of like stuff like facebook linkedin youtube we've completely neglected it right and and i've got to be honest i'm not i'm not interested in building a following on there but i I think for anyone starting out i think there's something just different about twitter right and i think with someone like elon musk at the helm like it has so much potential and i think it would be naive of me to say actually now you know now now is now it's not the time to like jump on board and get it right on twitter yeah and should, no. by the way, should it be a company or a person do you think um i think it should be a company if you you're re- representing rayon yeah absolutely um if it grows to be something you know hugely significant in twitter then by all means lawrence jump on the helms of that and become a thought leader i think you absolutely should i think you'd be aware yeah <laughs> but just be careful with what you tweet you know what i i, I really don't think i've ever said anything like like offensive you know no. but it's just it's just i think you're right it can just it can just easily be misinterpreted but yeah I, I mean at the moment i'm i'm genuinely working i think we're pretty much working between like 16 and 20 hour days wow. so, um yeah it's, it's not it's, it's probably something that we've neglected look you know this is pale right this is this is someone that's actually just worked all weekend and worked all week um it's I, I think for anyone and i'm very fortunate i get to meet a lot of like ceos at other i would say like scale-ups not so much startups but scale-ups and um yeah right now everyone is just like working like ridiculous hours for their for their company understandably um but yeah look i mean it, it's interesting I, I i think i think with twitter specifically um in fact actually where do you want to see because we've got time like where do you want to see elon musk take this if and it was a fan of Elon Musk, so uh, I I am yes no. to an extent. Um, uh, uh, his Twitter presence, absolutely. Um, so there was a leaked email, um, between I believe SBF and Elon Musk, I think, but there was certainly a leaked email from you think Elon that's Musk. Real? Huh? You think that was real? Well, apparently it was real. And Elon Musk commented on the tweet and he didn't deny the um, reality of the emails, which it would be the first thing you would do if somebody was just, you know, making things up, at least in my opinion. Um, so there's a leaked email and it Elon Musk essentially says that blockchain Twitter is not possible because um, of the throughput required and the number of nodes and the size of those nodes in terms of processing power like it's not feasible to do if it were up to me lawrence and i'm going to swing it back around to near i would love to challenge elon to just try it right i think that he's wrong i think that near protocol specifically has built a platform which is infinitely scalable and can and one day perhaps will support blockchain twitter um even if it's five times as large as it is today that's where I would love to see him take it in my dreams. Um, realistically, uh, 
he wants to see a town square, a digital town square where free speech is is upheld. Um, so do I. And I think it's important that we differentiate, you know, people's feelings and the fact that they might be offended from, um, you know, something which warrants them being removed from a platform. Uh, uh, are, are you are you a big Look, obviously feelings everyone has feelings right but does it really matter if people are offended like genuinely like, like i i have one thing so like when when we hire people right i will find something in the interview that um almost i i know will like irritate them, right and i kind of like i, I try to try, try and push them on it not in an unprofessional way but I get them to talk about it and the reason being is that like for for something like rayon our project is so big and it's so vast we naturally have like very philosophical like very like detailed political discussions and i think we have something that is really special in terms of the fact that i encourage people to be open to being offended right but also reacting in a very professional way and in fact it, we have we have a freedom policy which was which took place uh, took over from our anti-bullying policy and it says, you know, it's it's not so much the emphasis as to what people say. Be open. Be open to being offended, right? Learn from other people. But again, it's about how do you then react to that? And it's about being professionally mature, having that sense of self, that confidence in yourself to actually respond, right, in an appropriate manner. You know, be very careful. I think words are, of course, very powerful but I think this whole thing about like, we worry so much about people's feelings. Am I wrong? Like, like maybe I'm wrong. No, no, you. I think I think that the media would present it that way. That perhaps we do that. Um, the majority of people that I work with are not so hung up on people's feelings that they won't speak their mind where it's appropriate to speak their mind. But in terms of being offended, if you go through life and you're never offended, that means no one has ever challenged your way of thinking. And if nobody ever challenges your way of thinking, then you're never going to grow as a person. Um, I get offended every single day, right? I guess to some extent, but I don't take it with right. me. Right. But, but, then, but then, like you say, you get offended, but like, is it... Um... You're saying, but it doesn't affect your behavior, though, right? And when I say offended, I, I'm probably not using that term appropriately. It's very loose. I see opinions online that I disagree with every day. I see comments from people which perhaps would offend most people, um, but I try not to get caught up in anything like that. And I think the most valuable thing that someone could do is switch their phone off for a little bit and just hug the person they love the most, right? Like, just go and touch grass, unironically. Um, because a lot of this is driven through through social media. Oh, 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 oh you can ask my brothers. We, we were not grow. We did not grow up in a hugging family. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I agree with you about that. But, but look, like, like we're all different. You know, this is what makes the world interesting. It's what makes life interesting. Absolutely. I, I, I just think actually, and I was looking here by the way. I was looking at um the conversation between like uh, Elon Musk and Sam Bankman-Fried, and Elon's initial response is, "Sorry, who is sending this message?" So you know, I think that in itself, if it is real, you know, there, there's no close personal ties there. But um, even that can be misinterpreted. I think you know, I, I think that actually. 
we need to find a balance. There needs to be a balance. And I think people need to be more open to being offended, right? And, and not, but not take it personally. I think context plays a huge role. And I guess in legal terms, it's like malice aforethought, right? Um, if I don't you, know. So if, if you said something with the sole intention of being an arsehole about it, like, okay, well, maybe you should, you know, pipe down. But if you said something that somebody doesn't agree with and that they perhaps find offensive, but you said it from a place of, you know, true belief and not in a way to hurt anyone, then that's an important distinction. Yeah. Well, look, I, 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 I think people need to toughen up a bit, genuinely, especially on social media. If you saw the, the people that are offending you on social media, if you saw their lives, you, I, I, I highly suspect you would not admire their lives, you know, but look, I, I, conscious of time, we, we, we do, we've definitely got to wrap it up there. And I know I could talk to you about this stuff for hours and I think we should definitely pick this up again, but um, look, it's, it's been great to, it's been great to have this discussion with you and uh, yeah, I really do. I enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I look, hope we can do this again very soon. Been nothing less than a pleasure, Lawrence. Thank you so much for your time and have a brilliant day. Great to see you again. Take care.